G'day and welcome back to the Winger Podcast. First week of footy is over. How exciting and what a week it was, Dogger. I reckon it was the quickest weekend of my entire life. Yeah, I feel like Thursday to Sunday felt like about 20 hours tops. It was unreal, but it was so good to have something to look forward to on a Thursday night and Friday night as well. So, um, loved having the footy back and... Let's just jump straight into it. Let's jump through. We're going to go uh, have a new system going forward this year. We're going to go through our top five storylines of each week so we can you know, go through each game, but the main games that we like. So first storyline that comes out of the week was game of the season contender already. And that was obviously the Thursday night between Carlton and Richmond. It was an absolute classic. Ends in a draw. I'm not sure who the better side was, to be fair. It was as good a game as you'll see. Yeah, I think it's one of the only draws where I've sat there and thought, a draw is honestly the most fair result for this. Both teams fought their heart out. Uh, obviously, Carlton were up most of the game and ended up choking it a little bit in the end there. But I think Richmond were just fighting equally as hard as Carlton were uh, trying to stop them. So it was sort of like the immovable force uh, meets the unmovable object. So unstoppable force, immovable object. Um, but Richmond were absolutely ferocious and Carlton were just holding up really, really well in their defence uh, and just sort of were just like taking everything that Rewalt and Lynch were giving them. So A lot of people have Richmond as a top four team this year. And I think just going by that, if you don't have Carlton in your top five or so, then you, I think you're being very, very naive. Definitely. That looks a like top five, two top five teams going yep. at it at the minimum. So Yeah, the quality on display was unbelievable when you're right. Sort of two, even top four contenders potentially. Really, really great game. All right, storyline number two, which is probably, probably copying off someone here. I'm sure there's an article with it somewhere, but who needs ice baths? I mean, Jason Owen Francis shines in his debut as a port... Not many people, I don't think, had port tipped. I think I looked at the, at the um, percentages, and it was about 85 to 15% in tipping. People rate Brisbane yeah. really, really highly, and I, port embarrassed them. I honestly had Brisbane as the biggest lock of the week. I couldn't believe that there were almost even money with port, but, geez, you boys just came out and showed who really could be the best team in the league um, this year with how complete your team is. Like, obviously, it was shown last year that you had a fair few gaps and a fair few spaces where the team wasn't really performing, especially cl- not clinical in front of goal. Mm. But you get players in like Jason Norton Francis with 11 score involvements. You get players in like uh, Junior Rioli, who was ridiculous in front of goal with that Game little changer. fake as well. Um, but I think you're just a much more complete team this year and you just look really on. Um, but unfortunately, the Lions looked even more off as well. Mm, oh, it's, hard, it's hard to get a, a grasp on the Lions after that game, I believe. Port outplayed them from first minute to the last minute. Yeah, they had a great second quarter, but they also had 21 to 5 um, free kicks at half time. Yep. As soon as the umpire put the whistle away in the third quarter, we saw what happened. So I'm not sure what to make of the Lions at all. I'm not going to write them off just yet. But gee, they look terrible. But maybe Port was just far too good on that day. I think one of the biggest issues they had as well, obviously, Alir Alir got off the chain completely and yeah. he was just destroying Gunston. But Gunston was the one who went back as well. Um, they were throwing a couple of different players back to try and try them out there because obviously, as we noted in the first episode, Harris Andrews can't really do it all by himself. No. Um, but he's going to really need some help down there because they struggled and Dixon was just getting all the marks he wanted. As much as he wanted to kick them out in the full, mm. he was just getting the marks and as, as was Todd Marshall. So I think it's going to be a really massive problem for the Lions coming up, especially this week against the Ds. They're going to really struggle against those tall, tall forward lines. I agree. The best game Dixon's played in five years, I want to say. All right, next storyline of the week. Bulldogs have no bark. Uh, I, I Personally, I 
had Bulldogs finishing well outside the eight this year. I think they are absolutely useless. And the one thing that they struggled with the most is a key defender. They bring in a key defender who hasn't played football in the best part of three years. He's already looks injured and who knows, didn't even look good when he was out there. They have got holes everywhere. Defense, forward line's too tall and the midfield has no defense. It's a mess. Yeah, I think... If you're a betting man, I would really bet against the Bulldogs uh, when they come up against really good defensive units mm-hmm. uh, because like the Demons showed the other night, it's going to be so easy to move the ball out of the back line um, if you're coming against the Bulldogs because they're going with those four tools and they're getting none of the pressure they really need. None. So obviously being such a good pressure team in the last few years and that's seen a lot of success for them, they've gone completely away from that and gone players like Jamara Uglehagen, Rory Lobb, uh, and Aaron Norton, who aren't going to chase down and attack the the opposition defender. Robin Darcy and this and that. It's just too tall. It's far too tall. And you've just got all the time in the world if you're a defender. And that's literally what Melbourne did best was we picked it off because their entry inside forward 50 was fucking atrocious. Yep. Um, so Tomlinson standing in for May and um, Jake Lever were just sitting under the ball waiting for it to come to them. And they would literally just walk past the man on the mark and go, go, go. And it was so easy against the Bulldogs and... Really disappointing, especially I rated the Bulldogs quite highly this year. I liked what they were doing, something a bit different with all the tools. Um, you can't only give it one game, of course. So you've got to stick it out for a few games at least. Um, but it's going to be very hard to turn this completely around. But sides have done it before. Well, last thing on Bulldogs, I think they're the biggest um, fake team getting around. You look at the stats and you go, wow, Lever 30, Bont Bont 30, McRae, Baz, you know, all these guys having 28 plus. Just because they're a disposal friendly team doesn't mean they're a good fantasy or, uh, sorry, doesn't mean they're a good team. All right. Cats licking their wounds is the next headline. Not just looking, licking their wounds from a loss, which they had locked up as a win all game, but licking their wounds from the injury count as well. Tom Stewart. Thankfully, only a, a strain to only three to four mm. weeks where ACL was feared. to Koning was feared at big time, but he's, he's got out of it pretty unscathed as well. But they are licking their wounds, the Cats, because they had that game wrapped up. Up 20 points deep into the third. Collingwood uh, kicked three goals all in the last five minutes of the third quarter and then ran away with the game. Yeah, Collingwood showed it again that they just don't lose in those close games. No. So when the going gets tough, they really do get going and they were fantastic once again on Friday night, completely blew me away. I thought Geelong would sort of have this one sealed up by three-quarter time and they'd coach the rest of the game, obviously, as you said, with the injuries. Um, but I think it just really hurt them. Obviously, they've got Jack Henry out at the moment, who was so vital for them last year. Tom Stewart, who's one of the best defenders in the AFL. Their most important player. Their most important player as well. And obviously, you've got Sam DeConing, who's proven himself as a young uh, key back and has been fantastic in their premiership year. So... Without those three players, I think they're really, really going to struggle for the next few weeks. And uh, obviously, we think Sam DeConing is going to play, but how fit he's going to be, we're really unsure of that. So um, I was equally as impressed by Collingwood as I was worried for Geelong. And Mm. I think going forward, what we said pre-season with Geelong not being able to recreate what they did last year is proving ever so so true. The Pies looked very, very good. They're going to be a tough team to beat this week. All right. And the last storyline we have to... We have to touch on, because it's one of the most intriguing games of football I've watched in a long time, to be fair. Um, we had a team that was dominating, and then a team that looked terrible. And that is, Crows can't handle the heat. Mm. They go over, sure, it was like 32 degrees, but like, come on now. Crows had a huge lead, 30-plus point lead in the second quarter. Looked dominating, huge lead at halftime. Jelby West start falling apart. Yep. Um, Perryman out in the first two minutes. Kelly down it uh, in deep into the uh, early into the fourth. 
and Whitfield, more importantly, down early in the third. So uh, to the end of the game, they had no one on the bench. I think they had one rotation left. Nick Haynes couldn't walk. Um, mm. It was a mess, and they somehow found a way to win. I don't know who. I don't know if Crows won this. Uh, sorry, lost this game, or if JWS had their guts to just ever win. Well, I think like you saw the captain Toby Green saying it was the hardest game that he's ever played in, and that comes from someone who's played in a grand final among other huge games as well. So it really speaks to the sort of like magnitude of the game and obviously how trying the conditions were. But the Crows can't really use the heat as as any excuse or anything like that because. No. Obviously, GWS were even worse off, as you said, with those injuries. They only had sort of one or two on the bench at most points of the game as well. Um, So the Crows can't really use that as an excuse, but I see it more as just like an amazing win by GWS. I agree. I think the thing that everyone's been doubting about GWS over the last few years is, are they like, do they have the heart? Do they they have the guts? They've always been quite a gutless team and... When other teams would stand up when a coach got fired or a new coach would come in and they'd always win that first or last game, mm-hmm. um, GWS just would never decide to sort of dig deep and do that. Yeah. But this was a really, really sort of telling game of when they were able to dig deep, especially in that fourth quarter with the 40 sort of degree heat. They just dug deep and got it done, even if they were all shagged. And they just did an amazing job, especially Fadim Kingsley. Completely agree. And on the flip side, Matthew Nix, I would say that is his worst loss as coach. And oh. Tom Green, absolutely fantastic work. Huge, huge game from Tom Green. 37 touches. All right, then we move on to our weekly awards. It's the same we're going to bring in each week now. We're going to go through who was the best rookie of the week, uh, breakout player, the MVP. Rookie of the week, no-brainer. We are going to steal the NAB Rising Stars selection here too because how can you not? And that is, did he have a nickname as the Cheezel? The Cheezel. Oh, yeah, Cheezel. The Cheezel. He signed a sense. box of Cheezels. So he should. That's yeah, Harry Cheezel like from North Melbourne. A very un-Alistair Clarkson coached performance by him, to be fair. This mm. guy who just roamed off halfback and just dominated at 30-plus touches. But what a fantastic performance. I thought he was a forward. Well, he looked right at home in uh, in this system and in the AFL, uh, which is fantastic to see, obviously. You see so many players come in with their first game and they don't quite adapt to the sort of pace of the game or the physicality of the game. And Harry Sheasel came in and absolutely ripped the piss out of everyone. He did. 34 touches, the fourth most ever in the, in a first game. Mm. Um, so he looked absolutely fantastic and looked up. He was one of uh, North Melbourne's best players, obviously, for the day uh, and was really important with that running carry off half-back. And like you said, I thought he was going to be a forward, but he's been chucked on the half-back where he was pre-season and he's just looking to shine. Looked fantastic. And uh, North had to be right with that decision, taking him. Now, the breakout player of the week. You could say make an argument for Sheasel, but we've gone with Horn Francis for the breakout player of the week. I don't think there's been a more anticipated pressure-filled game than... Uh, that for a second-year player. Uh, it was just Port love him so much. The rest of the AFL in the world hates him so much. It's it, I felt for the bugger. He's got a lot, a lot of pressure on him to come out the way he did, have 25 touches, 11 score involvements, um, kick a snag from 50-plus. He looked like the player that we all expected to see round one last year. Yeah, well, if you told me last year that uh, the difference between last year and this year with Jason and France, if you, if you told me it was a different player... I would 100% believe you. Like, I watched a lot of Jason Horn Francis last year, and he was nothing like the player we saw at Sanfield level for the Panthers. But then he comes in against Brisbane, one of the big, like, best midfield outfits mm-hmm. in the league. Obviously, great defensive unit as well when you add in uh, Dunkley in there. And he just looked right at home. Unreal. He looks fucking massive, first and foremost. And he's just absolutely flying through the midfield. And as you said, those 11 score involvements just shows how damaging he can be. 
Obviously, a lot of players can go out there have 25, 30 touches, but the shows that he's really going to make an impact on the game. Yeah. And I think he was just a massive part of why Port Adelaide were so dominant. I don't, I'm not too sure now if he can keep that. I'm not saying that every week, but mm. around that standard, is there a more damaging midfield now in terms of Butters, Rosie, and uh, Horn Francis? Because those yeah, three... they And Wines. Yeah, Wines, sorry. But those three especially, they make those touches worthwhile. They do. They aren't you're just your Jack McRae touches. They are... Or Rory Laird's. They are elite. Yeah. So interesting midfield, and they're going to be uh, scary, I think, this year. In terms of just the youth, who knows? Mm. What could shot? That could be terrible one week, but unbelievable the next. Who knows? Very true. All right, MVP of the week. This is a tough one. Honorable mention to Jared Witts. Yep. 25 touches, 50 hit outs. Blinder. Was absolutely enormous against Sydney, who traditionally you, you don't really rack up against, to be honest. No. Uh, in really, really wet and dewy conditions. But he went out there, stood up for his team as the co-captain uh, and was fantastic. But obviously in a 50-point loss, is quite hard to actually You're not going to get three Brownlow MVP. votes, are you? In a 50-point loss, you wouldn't suspect, especially no. as a Ruckman. God, yeah, no. Especially um, but now our MVP for me has to be Jordan Dugowie. Yeah. Um, he showed a sign of what we all expected for a long, long time. This is not the first time he's done this. No. He's done this many a times, but consistency has been his issue. However, to have 25-3 and three against a Geelong team, which, like we said about Sydney, Geelong didn't let anyone have anything last year. No. It wasn't matter what position you were, they gave you nothing. He tore that game in half and put it, the team on his back, and he is deserved MVP by far. Yeah, 100%. Well done to Jordan Dugowie. He was fantastic against the Cats. He just sliced through their midfield over and over again uh, and honestly just made them look silly constantly. Yep. So whether it was him resting forward or it was him bursting through the midfield, he always looked like he's going to be the most damaging player on the ground and really make an impact, and, and that he did. And I think Agreed. that he's a big reason why they managed to mount that fourth quarter comeback and end up smashing the cats. Completely agree. It deserved MVP. All right, we've gone through this with a rapid pace, which is great. On to our last segment. I'll, I'll, actually, I'll pass it off. Off you go. Matt Multi is back once again. Round two. All right, a very disappointing round one. Uh, unfortunately... Uh, we had Connor Rosie falling two disposals short, which was just hurt me to my core. Obviously, we had Essendon go out and smash it as I knew they would. They were only paying a dollar sixty; it was ridiculous. Uh, then we had Tyson Sengel two goals in the first half. That was an easy leg again, and it looked like Connor Rosie was all but done. But then he just decided to go off and just have a sort of moment on the pine to himself. Comes on, kicks a goal, and then just stands on the wing and does nothing. So. Very disappointing for me. But anyway, we're back again, so it doesn't really matter. Redemption Tour, as long as we win about one in every five, one in every six, at least we're making money. So firstly this week, I think these are three no-brainers. Last week it was too easy and we just got done with hard luck. But this week, there is a couple of a couple of these that are absolutely shocking me in terms of their odds. We got Richmond paying a dollar sixty against the Adelaide Crows. Adelaide Crows last week, absolute shambles. Just fell apart, 30 points to a team that had pretty much like 17 men. So yep. Richmond, one of the premiership favourites, to bounce back against uh, against the Crom in Adelaide. But that's all right. I'm still taking them at $1.60. Next, we've got the biggest lock of the week. Uh, if you want to make some money this week, be betting on disposals uh, of Sydney players against Hawthorne. So we're going with Chad Warner for 25 touches. Had 30 last week. We'll easily have 25 this week against the Hawks. Probably have 30 and 3, to be honest. That's paying a dollar eighty. Would you believe it? Well, I certainly can't. And then the last leg of the week. This is probably the shakiest one, but that's all right. I'm sure it will come back to bite us in the ass, but we'll worry about it when it comes around to it. Fremantle 1 to 39. 
So I think Frio obviously get the job done over in Optus Stadium. But against the North Melbourne team, obviously coached by Clarko, it's going to be hard to beat them this season. They won their first game, and I don't think they're going to be any pushovers. So 1-39, to 39, I think if they win somewhere in there, then Matt's multi will cash. Gamble responsibly. Bang! I like it. Too, too easy. I'm looking for the value so you don't have to. How is Crows paying a dollar? I mean, sorry, Richmond paying a dollar sixty against the Crows. They should be a dollar twenty favorites. They think the Crows are going to bounce back. And what are they thinking? Why? I don't know. I couldn't explain it to you. Anyway, I think it's easy. Greatest mysteries. All right. Well, welcome back to the Winger Podcast. Hope you like the short episode. Um, Anyway, thank you very much for listening. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Winger Podcast. Follow us on TikTok at Winger Podcast. And make sure to check us out on Spotify as you probably are right now at Winger Podcast. Thank you very much and good night. Reminiscing on the days I ain't know what was ahead What I gotta do to make sure the family fed